What's up, my beautiful people? Well, I just got to start off this podcast and tell you how I'm feeling. I've been feeling a bit meh. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's this weather, the rain, the dreariness, but I haven't been feeling fantastic. I'm going to let you know. And but one thing that did perk me up today was hearing the news that if companies don't recognise some of the menopause symptoms as symptoms and, you know, they are real, they could be sued. Listen, for a woman that's been through hell and back with the menopause, for workplaces to have to really recognise this, I'm not quite sure if I'd label it as a disability. Not sure. It does make you feel like you've got something like that. But I think that might be disingenuous to some who really do have a disability. They were talking about hot flushes and brain fog, right? And there's so many women that go through this. I lived in shame and in the closet with menopause. And, you know, I'm still going through it now. And it started early. I started at 39 years old. And it it's because there's so much stigma around the menopause and, you know, you've got to be an old woman and all this kind of stuff. And it's not that at all. And even as a result of the menopause, as some of you know, I had an operation in 2023, the end of last year, and that was a result of the menopause. So to hear that, that did perk me up. But I am standing recording this now and I'm looking out the window and it's dreary as hell. I've worked out, which always lists me. And I think we do have to find things that make us feel good when we're feeling a bit shit. And it's not eating a packet of crisps, even though I do love to do that too. But it is finding something that can take us out of this dull feeling. So I want to share this episode, which will be a bit short and sweet, called One Life. Now, One Life was inspired by me going to... Uh, me going to see this biographical drama film starring the formidable Anthony, my fave actor. If you could see my fingers, I'm doing that quote unquote bit, my fave actor in brackets, Hopkins, as a British humanitarian who plays Sir Nicholas Winton, who rescued 669 Jewish children in German-occupied Czechoslovakia just before World War II. I've been wanting to see this film for a long time and I thought, let me go to the cinema on my own after I've been to see the podiatrist. So this was my day just yesterday and I thought, let me go and see it. And I love Anthony Hopkins. So for anybody who's outside of the UK, he has won, he has won rather Academy Awards Things like The Silence of the Lambs, those kind of films, you will see he's old now. He lives in Wales in the United Kingdom and is kind of like, not a recluse, but he lives a really quiet life, but he still get, keeps getting these meaty roles. But you can see the age in him. And do you know what it makes me feel? It makes me feel old because I'm seeing him age and knowing when I used to watch him all the time and things like Silence of the Lambs and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, I wanted that day that I went to see One Life at the cinema, a me day. This me day was just a just be day, as in not be day that you wash your ass in, in the toilet, but just a be day, just be. And I was inspired by that because a girlfriend has sent me a link to a YouTube channel about this woman that talks about 
just being and not following that conventional narrative in the world about you have to earn a certain amount of money, etc. But I'm going to save it because I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on that one because it's really, really interesting. So I wanted this Just Be Day and I decided I want it to be a just simplistic day. And not to be tied to any of these conventions that I should be looking for more work because people, maybe that's a little bit of my oomph at the moment that I want not only the sun, but I want to get some more work in. And so I'm pretty disciplined. I'll wake up in the morning and get on with my stuff, but I like to be a busy bee some of the times. But again, maybe I shouldn't be busy. Maybe I should be just chilling. Anyway, I had this appointment and I'm going to talk a little bit about this film because it really moved me. It moved me to tears, people. It moved me to tears. My day started off and I had this appointment with my podiatrist. That's always a drama, <laughs> a good drama. And um, I did, I bought this uh, uh, film ticket the day before impulsively and said, I'm going to go and sit in the movies and watch it. And I went to the podiatrist beforehand because I've got a bit of um under the ball of your foot, literally the ball of your foot aches. And it's because I haven't got enough flexion in my toe. God, I tell you all about my angst, don't I? It's not because I'm getting old. It's been there a long time, apparently. But the the funny thing is, I go in to see Jason and we talk about everything apart from my feet. We talk about he's into running. He's an Aussie. He's doing a PhD to be a doctor. And I'm a bit of a sapiophile, which is someone who gets turned on with a beautiful mind. You know, that film is a good one as well with Russell Crowe. And I sat there and talked to Jason about his studying, rituals in the morning, because he said he gets up at half past four people, half past four to read, make notes, go for a run. And then he goes off to his job, which is a podiatrist. And this is where I'm sitting now. So we're having this conversation. And he said, look, Tina, let's adapt your um, your foot insoles. I've got these orthotics. And he said, I can adapt them now. I said, I'll tell you what, Jason, you haven't got them in in yet. He's waiting for a supply to come in. So why don't I just come back next week? And he said, oh, okay, okay. Now, some of you may remember when I spoke about this guy before, the first time I ever went to him, it was so bizarre because I had to say to him, is everything okay? You just don't seem very happy. He said, why? And then since that day and the passion with athletics and everything else, we get on like a house on fire. No, he's not a potential boyfriend before any of you think that. No, 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 no. He looks like a scraggly old Jesus looking type character. But um, the fact is we get on and I think I can only put it down to when you go into the National Health Service, which is what we have in the UK for all those outside of the UK and listening. You get your run of the mill people that were coming probably with a big bunion on their foot and they can't walk properly and he has to deal with people like that, whereas He's looking at an ex-athlete that's come in, knows her stuff, can talk about bones. Well, not bones, but talks about parts of the body and know what pronation means, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, we had this chat and then I thought, right, it's time for me to go back to the car. And I thought I'm going to listen to podcasts. So my appointment was 12 o'clock. I wasn't seeing Jason till two. And so I thought I'm going to sit in the car and get inspiration from a podcast. And right now, people, oh, my God, my arms are aching. I've just done this workout and it was brutal. And I can feel my arms going into this DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. Oh, God, uh, they are hurting. And I'm actually standing up recording this today. So I went and sat in the car and this is how this is how simplistic the day was, right? 
I'd already brought some water with me, but I thought, let me go to this local shop and get a, a, a sandwich and some crisps because I didn't want to pay the inflated prices in the cinema. Plus, I don't really eat all that sweet stuff. I don't eat popcorn. I don't eat their plastics, hot dogs and all that shit. I don't even know if they had them in there. But I was listening to um, The Law of Attraction in the car, eating my great sandwich and a packet of crisps. Crisps, which I need to start cutting out of my eating because it's naughty. And I was writing some hastily written notes on my phone for another podcast. And while I was listening to this podcast, I was reminiscing about working at the Odeon Cinema. Now, if you're in America, you call them theatres, don't you? And the Odeon is a, a brand or cinema that we've got here. So you've got Odeon, you've got Everyman, which are quite posh cinemas. You pay a lot more money because they do in-seat service. But I thought, I'm not going with anybody. I'm not on a date. This is all about me. And I paid a cheap amount for my ticket. And I'm looking at the theatre, or I'm thinking about the theatre, thinking, oh my God, when I used to work for the Odeon, uh, cinemas in the marketing department. For, I just did this piece of consultancy work for, I don't know if it was eight months or something. And I was thinking about it because when I actually finished this podcast and went into the cinema and I looked around, uh, it was all a daytime audience. And guess who that daytime audio, audience were? It was actually the Silver Surfers, which I now know has been updated to the Silver Economy. These people have got the money. So all of you have got a business. You have, you have to go after the Pink Pound and the silver economy. And I guess that's me because silver economy, they say 50 plus. But if you looked around that room, I think you have to break it down even more. It's retirees. And it was quite beautiful to see, actually, you just had a couple of couples who were probably in their 60s, late 60s, and they come in to see this film and they were sat there. I don't think anybody bought anything from the refreshment stands. They brought it all with them. So uh, it just made me think about, you know, that and the marketing that you do for that audience to get them in, to get bums on seats. Because I'm telling you, I went to screen two and there were literally seven of us in there. I was stretched out on this premium seat. I just looked around and that was it. There was a lot of rustling there. When you get this audience, they crack me up because this one guy gets his phone out and there's quite a few people have got this. You've got the sound effects when you're tapping out a message. You know how freaking irritating that is. Tap, 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 tap. The light on the phone is really bright. And then this other one starts rustling around. The film's just about to start. And he starts rustling around and his things for his bag because he's brought everything with him apart from the kitchen sink to get out some popcorn. He's clicking open the can of whatever. And I was at the point where I was going to say, shh, but I didn't. Anyway, the film starts. And so this guy, played by um, Anthony Hopkins, which was uh, Nicholas Winton, had tried to hide and flee. No, that's not right. He had hide and flee efforts, that's it, to get the Jewish kids particularly out of this war, war-torn area of Czechoslovakia. It's actually Prague. And you can see all the Nazis. Damn, I hate them. It was, it was unbelievable. And he basically got money from the British government to get these kids on trains and ship them over to the UK to temporary foster parents. So he'd, he was actually a, uh, a, fin a financial broker. And I can't remember how he heard about it, but he said, I've got to go and see it for myself. And that's why I ended up in Prague. And he had a visit. He started taking pictures and he was handing out chocolate to the kids. And he said, I want to get these kids out of there quickly. And that's what hit me because I saw a bit of my life flash before my eyes as kids arrived at the train station 
with a, a number tag around their neck and they were greeted by temporary families. They're going to be their foster families. And I think it was that. And for some unknown reason, guys, I just started crying. I could feel the tears, but I saw this other woman sniffing and sniveling as well. It had nothing to do with it being Jewish kids. It had to. It was all to do with kids being taken from this war-torn place, then put into foster care. And it just reminded me of a bit, of, a bit like a meat market, right? Because uh, these kids had uh, a photograph, a number. And then what happened is when Nicholas Winton had to raise funds, £50, I think it was per child, to get through the British government. And then potential foster people would pick who they wanted. And it was so sad because there was three kids, brothers and sisters, and this foster family said they could only take two, which was understandable. But this other boy got left behind with his father. So they all had family in Prague. So they were automatically taken from their blood family and brought across to the UK. Very similar to me. My mum, I was taken away from my mum at six weeks old. And then, you know, I went into that care system. And I think it really hit me quite profoundly that my passion is young people. Sometimes it takes us so long to know what our values are and our passions are. And I was questioning why I was reacting so powerfully to this film. You know, it was only a couple of days before that I'd seen bloody Bob Marley that's been hitting the cinemas over here and breaking the box office, you know, uh, figures. So to go in and see this, it was really powerful and the volunteers that this guy had working with him were also very passionate and then basically they had all these trains coming out bringing these kids in and so forth and the story goes along that um he's in this older age now so they've got two people playing the part you've got the younger guy and then you've got Anthony Hopkins playing him and he keeps reflecting and he's really sad and he's kept all these files in his house with his wife and And basically, he goes on this old traditional TV programme that we used to have in the UK called That's Life. And they basically told his story and they brought some of the people he rescued who are now, you know, older adults there to meet him. It was really, really powerful. And I think for me, there are always going to be things that trigger my emotions and it's children and young people. But also, I have the greatest respect for people who are humanitarian activists who want to do good. Because there was another guy that I got into years ago called Clyde Stafford Smith, who was a humanitarian lawyer who was trying to stop people going to the death row. He was from the UK. He still does stuff now. And I ended up joining a scheme of his and um, where you become, um, oh God, what's it called? Not a pen pal. It was a lifeline to those on death row. And the reason why I stopped it, because... You were not allowed to ask them what they'd done. And they said to you in the guidelines, when you got signed up, please do not just stop writing. What did I do? I stopped writing. So I thought, if one of these people on death row is a serial killer or something like that and has molested a child, anything like that, I couldn't do it. So I just stopped. I know it's bad. I know it's really bad people, but that's what happened. But again, I was taken by Clyde Stafford Smith and how he dedicated and still dedicates his time to helping people. And I think for me, it was not only heartbreaking, but it made me think, what more can I be doing? And I guess, like I said, it knocked me for six that much. 
that I took time out when I came out of that cinema and it was because it was an afternoon performance and I slowly walked to my car and I just sat there a little bit shell-shocked and dumbfounded. Now, some may be, some people may say, is it because you were having an off day, which I've been having for quite a few days, and therefore it triggered me? I don't know. It was just, I just feel that I should be doing more. And when I do this other podcast about just being, we chase like now I should be, should I get, I should be getting more working to pay the bills. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be, rather than still, I should be doing something I, I feel guilty or not. And I just wonder in life, what is it do you really want? We have one life. And I realise that my past doesn't haunt me, but some of it does trigger emotions and that's why I shed a tear in the cinema. And um, I think for me, it was great. It ate up some of my day. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. All these films. And it's not I'm not a big one for saying to friends or whatever. Do you want to go to the cinema? Because I think the stigma about doing things on your own now is gone from going on holiday. I've got a blinding episode coming up soon, guys, about holiday and travel and how we need to address that demon inside of us. Um, but. When you are feeling a little bit meh, as I call it, you have to pull yourself up and get out. Now, sad syndrome is hitting everybody at the moment. This is this seasonal attention deficit syndrome or whatever it's called, where it's dreary, even though the lights, the nights rather, are getting lighter. There's no sunshine, so it's really hard. And it becomes demoralising and it becomes depressing. Now, I was going to say, so you go and do something like that, cheer yourself up but clearly I came out and I wasn't cheered up but um, I think I need to find a way of helping young people in care or people who are less advantaged has become the new term as opposed to dis disadvantaged and because this film was telling the story of refugees which is horrific as they were torn from their parents I think I want to do it for people who aren't refugees who are in this country and haven't got access to certain things that they should have. So here we go. Here's a little wrap up of this very short and sweet podcast. My takeouts are we have one life which should be savoured, lived and cherished. What are you doing with your life? And I keep thinking about a friend at the moment who I said, for all the moaning and everything you do, why don't you just go and slit your throat? <laughs> and they said, well, that's a little bit severe, Tina. I said, well, I've never heard anybody moan so much as you. If you don't like it, change it. Change the narrative. Change what you want to do. And do you know what I realised from speaking to this person? A lot of people don't have any interests. They don't know what makes them tick. They don't know what makes them buzz. I know today, I did some work this morning and then I went and worked out and I was buzzing. I'm buzzing so much. I'm bloody hungry now as I do this podcast. But I also thought... I've got to find something else. And funnily enough, I know that a lot of my interests revolve around exercise because I was on Instagram. I found this guy that does this flexibility workshop. I've got to ask my friend if she'd like to join me on it. It's £35 or, you know, about $39 if you're in the US or anybody else that does dollars for an hour and a half. And I found it really interesting. I saved it and I thought, it doesn't matter, Tina, if a friend's going to come with you. You are going to go and do it. Now, it's a bloody trek to get to, but I thought I'll really enjoy it. What I need to do, my people, is open myself up to new meeting new people. 
And um, one of the things I think I need to do is go into these. I put on my vision board about doing group exercise. Now, these are workshops, but I could join the online club from that and so forth and so forth. So that's going to be a tick. Another takeout for me is helping those who can't help themselves. There's a lot of you new. I used to be a mentor for the homeless for a place called the House of St Barnabas, which sadly folded a couple of weeks ago. It went into administration. And it's really sad about this home away from home, which was mine. It was a private members club, but every all of the money went into tackling homelessness with people who've been made homeless and giving them the life skills and training skills to get jobs. I loved it, but I won't be getting any more mentees from that. I also learned knowledge is power because one of my friends or an old boss of mine is Jewish and I learned so much about Jewish people from her because I didn't know. I didn't even know about the surnames and stuff. So when I saw the Jews in, and I've heard about Jewish people in um, Czechoslovakia and Prague and whatever, um, I also found out from watching that film that most died in the, those who weren't rescued and a lot of them were children, but those, there were a lot of people that ended up dying in concentration camps. So it really made me think about humanity and how we could be helping. And look at the shit that's going down now, my people. The Jewish people in the UK are being um, already attacked because of what's going on with Israel, Palestine, Gaza, the whole kit and caboodle. It's not funny. If you're in the UK, I would absolutely recommend that you go and watch it before it goes. It was released in January it's a great film. It will probably go straight to streaming soon. Netflix, Amazon, and for all those naughty boards, I'm sure you will be able to pick it up. But maybe it's just me, but it is a fantastic film. Uh, so I'm going to find, I'm going to wrap this up now. I'm going to find another opportunity to volunteer. And I'm, and I'm currently awaiting the results of getting on a board to help channel the future of young people from disadvantaged backgrounds through athletics yeah I had the interview just over a week ago for um it's called personal best foundation and it's part of the England athletics uh, charity and uh sorry England athletics governing body and I really really like what this charity were about they want to create young leaders from people in care their whole program is uh, based around people who come from um, areas of deprivation you know this pulls at me this pulls at me I've been lucky I've worked hard to get my buy my own little Victorian house and stuff but you know I'm looking now in my bedroom where I'm recording this and thinking look at all these shoes you've got and you don't bloody wear them I just wear bare trainers I mean it's getting absolutely ridiculous and I just think there are so many people that have so little and there's so much more we can do so I'm just trying to pull some ideas together because I think me giving back gives me great satisfaction and I want to find a gap in the market to see what I can do. The food banks, the clothes banks and everything else has been done. So I am thinking about um, a foundation that I could set up that actually um, provides people in care with funding or loans or grants to help them succeed and reach their potential whatever that is, whether they come out of the care system, because a lot of people who come out of the care system, they do not have somebody to go to. They have, may not have any family. And so, you know, the local authority may help them with an accommodation and you may get a bit of grant to get some pots and pans. But what if you have a budding desire to be a doctor, but you can't do the, the, the education and you can only get so much funding and 
and so forth and so forth and so forth. So I'm thinking about it. I think it'd be a lot of work. I'd love help uh, if I'm honest, because sometimes I think about it and think, oh, God, how do I how do I navigate that? And then it scares me. And then I just think, oh, shit, that idea is just sitting there. So anyway, my last message to you all is you have one life. There's a lot of badness going on in the world at the moment. Don't look round tomorrow and think, I wish I had done this. And like I said, I'm going to bring you a really interesting story in the week or so on somebody I interview about travel. And it blew my mind. It blew my freaking mind. And it's just got me thinking about things I need to do this year. So with that, my beautiful people, take good care of yourself until I come back to you with my travel instalment.